So we are continuing, we'll jump into it, we're continuing a, uh, a collection of talks that we've titled Sex with the Lights On. In week one, we talked about dating, week two, we talked about marriage, and tonight, week three, we are talking about sex. And, uh, ooh, la, no, la. <laughs> ooh la la, come on. Um, so no matter where you're at, whether you're single, dating, married, don't want to be single, want to be single, want to be married, don't want to be married, I don't know, wherever you're at, odds are that sex and sexuality affect your life or will affect your life in some way. And so again, that's part of that diversity piece. We're all coming from different parts of, we're coming from different places, different spaces, all that kind of stuff. But here's what we want to encourage you. All of you are in different places. This is going to hit you all differently. You're going to hear it all differently. We're going to make a lot of blanket statements. We're trying to just lay the most basic, most fundamental uh, truth from scripture as we talk about sex. This isn't the kind of sermon or series where you can just kind of sit. It's not a lecture. As we're having a conversation, you need to be having a conversation with God. And you need to ask him, how does this affect me? How does this apply to my life? God, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to take away? But we're so excited to talk about this tonight because we truly believe that God is going to do something incredible. There's, there's, there's a lot around the, 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 the idea of sexuality and, and, and sex. And so we just believe, we're just believing for freedom. We're believing for breakthrough. We're believing for uh, just calling and purpose and vision for sex lives and just lives in general. And so we're excited. But if at any point we say something that maybe uh, causes you to think, you're like, I have a question about that. Or maybe we don't say something and you're like, I had a question about that and I, were hope, I was hoping you would answer it, but you didn't. Um, we want you to know we're going to throw a slide on. It has a number. This is a, a completely anonymous number. But if you have a question about anything, not, it doesn't even have to be about sex. It can just be about relationships, dating, breakups, all that stuff. If you have any questions about relationships, text it to this number. And next week, we're going to have a panel up here with our lead pastors, Pastor Todd and Carolyn, and a few others. And they're going to be talking uh, with us and answering the questions that you send in. So we're so excited about that. But we want to encourage you, if you have any questions at all, send in those questions. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to sex, I think the reason we wanted to even have this conversation is because the church doesn't always talk about it. Or what we always get is like, don't have sex till you're married. Don't have sex. Don't have sex. Don't have sex. And kind of what we wanted to tonight is to open up this conversation. And from the stage, we're saying sex is good. Mm -hmm. It's natural. It's normal. Like, you don't have to feel ashamed. And I think a lot of times, Mark and I will be talking to couples, and they'll open up about the difficulty of their sex life. They've waited till they were married to get sex to have sex. (laughs) Come on, I can't wait to get sex. Oh, man. Whew, a lot of sex on the brain tonight. Get a job, get um. sex. <laughs> oh, man. And the, so they wait to have sex, and then they get married, and they're not able to enjoy it because they've been told it's bad. They've been told not to do it. So tonight we want to give you guys a why. We want to give you a larger picture of why we say what we say from the stage here tonight. Um, and we just want, yeah, to help you understand because the idea of marriage and purity sounds outdated and lame. Right? It's like no one, no one does that anymore, purity. And I think the reason is that we've equated in the church purity to virginity. And, and virginity is not purity, and purity is not virginity. Um, purity and righteousness, we can't, it's not about us. It's about what Jesus has done for us. Mm-hmm. And Alex alluded to that, that we can't do works to be right in God's eyes. God died. That's why Jesus had to die for us, and he makes us righteous. And so we just want to unpack a lot of these ideas, um, because now that the church hasn't done a lot of talking about it, the world and culture have taken sex and they've, they've shaped it to, for their own, what they want and what they desire out of it. And so we just, yeah, I want to open up this conversation and talk about sex. Yeah. Um, have you guys heard of Amazon Alexa? Anyone? Echo Dots, Echo, 
Echo Plus, Google, Google Home, all that stuff. So I got one of those um, maybe a month ago. And I, I, it was on sale on Amazon. It was like 40 bucks. And I was like, man, I'm going to just buy one. I'll see if it's cool or not. So I bought it. I uh, bought a smart plug, hooked it up in our bedroom. And I was like, this is insane. And I loved it. I set up this routine where in the morning it would be my alarm. It would also turn on my light and then start blasting music. So I, had no, I couldn't sleep in. And I was like, this is the best. So I was like, I'm going to get a second one. And I got one for our living room. And uh, I actually got like hustled on Kijiji because I tried to buy one secondhand. So I actually bought three, but I only have two. <laughs> Someone sold me a broken one and then uh, ghosted me. When I told them I was going to call the cops, they just stopped replying. So uh, <laughs> be careful on Kijiji, but that's another message. Anyways, so I buy a second one and I buy a bunch of light bulbs. So now my, light, my house is like decked out in light bulbs. But, uh, but I wasn't used to it. And so what I kept on doing was walking out of the room and, and flicking off the light switch, and then it would cut off the electricity to the light bulb, and it, and it wouldn't work. So I went around the house, and I started taping <laughs> all of the light switches, and, and so I wouldn't, like, press them. I wouldn't accidentally press them, or if I did, it, it wouldn't do anything. So Roberta was sitting on the couch watching TV, and she sees me, like, pulling out this tape and sticking tape on the light switches, and she's like, what are, we, what are you doing? I'm like, Roberta, we're living in the future, man. We're not, we're, we got Amazon Alexa. We're never using a light switch again. This is the future. It's 2019. We have arrived. Come on. Light switches are outdated. We're in the future. You know, I think we kind of have that view when, when it comes to sex. Like, we're running around like, yo, we're in the future. And we're like, God's way, that's like a light switch. What the Bible has to say about sex, that's a light switch. And it's 2019. We're in the future. We don't need the light switch anymore. But here's the thing. God's way, we believe with all of our hearts, God's way, God's plan for sex is still relevant. We believe that God's plan for sex is the best plan. Do you know that God wants you to have an amazing sex life? God wants you to have amazing relationships. Um, yes, there are boundaries that he has established, but those boundaries are actually for your benefit. In those boundaries, there is freedom. God is not a party. <coughs> Whoa. What happened there? <coughs> I tried not to cough because I knew it would come through weird. And uh, <laughs> We're just, we're authentic here. We're just yeah. hanging out. We don't have just to impress a, you guys. Yeah. yeah. God is not a party pooper. In fact, he's the opposite. God is all for your sexual pleasure, and he wants you to engage in that. God has actually given us in the Bible the, the roadmap for the best sex you could ever have. And I know it might seem like our way is better. Like, I know we look at it and we're like, no, like, we know it. Like, we get it. We have these desires and these urges, and we feel like our way is better. But, man, I don't know about you, but I always want God's way over my way. I always want to do what God says, even if it doesn't make any sense to me, over my way or what the world says. And here's why I want to follow God's way no matter what. Because I believe with all of my heart that God is good. And God would never do anything to punish me. God would never hold out just because he wanted to see me suffer or struggle or be frustrated. God wants the best, and his boundaries and his plan is for my good. And so what we want to do as we talk about sex, here's the premise we're working from. This is the foundation. If God is God, which we believe he is God, then he created sex. We believe that God created sex. And if God did, in fact, if he is God and if he created sex, then we need to go to him and see what God has to say about sex. We can't go to culture anymore. We can't just believe what people tell us anymore. We have to go to God. And so what we want to do for the remainder of time that we have together is we want to address four myths, four lies that we have bought into as a society, things that culture has told us this is, this is true about sex. We actually believe that they're lies, that they're myths. And so what we want to do is just spend some time talking about those myths.
Yeah, so we're just going to jump right in. The first myth is everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is doing it. And this is the new norm of culture, right? We see this on TV shows. We see this on movies. Um, sex is no longer a bad word. It's normal. People can have sex when they feel, as long as it's legal, it's all good. Um, and sexuality has really become the most important part of a person in our culture, right? Who are you having sex with? How many times are you having sex? All of that. But I really want to challenge you here that your identity is not based in your sexuality. God has never, ever asked you to base your identity on your sexuality. That's dangerous. Mm -hmm. you, are, you are a child of God. You are loved. And that's what defines you. Not who you're having sex with, who you're not having sex with. But that's a huge thing in society. And the thing about sex, and it's, I say this with money, with children, with marriages, with things that are actually good, we in society take them when we're trying to fill voids in our lives and we manipulate them and we try to use them to make us feel better. And sex is no different. People use sex to fill a void, mm -hmm. to feel better about themselves because they're trying and they're chasing and they're not asking God to come into that place. I was talking to a friend this week. We were driving together and she was talking to me about a mutual friend of ours. And this friend, she's just never really happy. You know, one of those people who it's like, they'll say, oh, I'll be happy now, but they're not ever happy. And she's like, yeah, this girl, she's only happy when she's blackout drunk. Hmm. <laughs> that's sad. Mm -hmm. like, like that's, but that's a reality for maybe even some of us in this room here. You're never satisfied. That person's never, you know, you have sex. You think, oh, now I feel better. You still don't. And that's how a lot of people are living. But God calls us to thrive. And so if we want to thrive, how do we look? We have to change how we look at sex. Mm -hmm. and, and sex is special. Everyone will say it's not. It's not a big deal. But it really actually is. That intimacy with a person, seeing someone naked, like that's a big deal. And, and it's lost its meaning in our society because it's so normalized. Um, just two weeks ago, Mark and I were talking, and he had to go to the doctor for a physical. He's not gotten one since he was little. And no, never. Never, right? Never got a physical. Yeah, that's right. And our doctor's like, you need to have a physical, Mark. She told me for three years I had to get a physical. <laughs> I kept on putting it off. <laughs> and he looked at me, he's like, Roberta, I just, no one's seen me naked except you. And I'm a never nude, like <laughs> no one, no one, no one's ever seen me naked. No, you're very private about that. And so, I, but I thought that's kind of special, right? That like we're the only two people who've seen each other naked and, and there's an intimacy with that. And I actually like kind of laughed in that moment when he said it. And I was like, well, you should get your physical done. But I also <laughs> thought like, that's kind of dumb that you haven't. But I also thought like, well, I'm honored. I'm honored that I am the woman that you have chosen to have that intimacy with and to be vulnerable in that way. And the next argument for everyone else is doing it, like, okay, well, maybe casual sex isn't the best, but what if we're in love, right? What if I'm engaged to this person? What if I plan on proposing? But I really want to flip this, that instead of because I love this person, what if it's because I love my future spouse, right? Like, flip it. You want to love and you want to honor your spouse, and it's really hard. Instant gratification is real. I'm a millennial. I love everything right away. But sometimes we have to wait, and that waiting is hard. But because you want to honor that person, because you want to love that person, that's why you wait. Because there are no guarantees in this life, right? So until you're up in the aisle saying, I do, you're not guaranteed to marry that person. So we really just want to kind of talk about, sorry, I lost my spot. So our lives have to stop being about who we're having sex with, but instead honoring the people in our future. Yeah, that's amazing. So good. Uh, the second myth that we want to address that has infiltrated our society is that sex is just physical. There's this idea that sex is just physical. It's just skin on skin. It's just two bodies coming together for a sexual release. It's nothing more. It's nothing less. But that's not what God intended. 
God intended for sex to be this powerful expression of his goodness and his love and his desire for, for us, his children. But sex in our society has literally been stripped of its power. And, and it's just become a physical source of enjoyment. And we believe that, oh, it's just our bodies. So if it's just my body, I could do whatever I want with it, however I want with it, whenever I want, and there's no consequences because it's just physical. And we see this ideology expressed primarily in what, what I call hookup culture. Um, you know, dating apps like Tinder and, and, and things like that. So now people can literally just on their phone swipe right for a booty call. No, no consequences, no commitments, no strings attached. Um, I thought this was really interesting. On Tinder, there are 1.6 billion swipes every single day. 1.6 billion swipes on Tinder every day. So people are out there just using these apps to use people for their sexual desires. And there's no, there's no commitment, there's no, there's no longevity, there's no earning it, there's no putting in, your, putting in work for it. They're just using people for whatever they want. And, and I don't want to like pick on Tinder because I know there are like five or six people out there who use Tinder for good reasons and you throw a not DTF and you have a little cross people equals love. People do use it to meet people. And, yeah. <laughs> no, there We're are some bashing. people who yeah, use yeah. it for good. Yeah. And I think you can use any, any platform for good, but I think by and large, the majority of people are using Tinder for for, for reasons that aren't maybe a benefit to themselves and, and for others. And, and it's not even just um, hookup culture that perpetuates this idea. It exists in committed relationships and just regular relationships as well. But when you have sex outside of marriage, outside of God's boundaries, even if you feel like the person you're having sex with, even if you love them, even if you feel like you value and appreciate and understand sex, you're still missing out on what God intended for sex to be. And I'll explain more about that in a minute, but Culture has literally just missed the point on this one. If uh, uh, They say essentially sex is just adult play. But I just, I, I, this bothers me because it's such a low view of sex. It's not a high view of sex. It's not a high view of humanity. It's a low view of humanity and a low view of sex. And all throughout scripture, God himself, speaking through the biblical authors, of course, has a high view of sex. He values sex. He loves sex. He has a high view of it. And in, in the Bible, sex isn't just physical. In the Bible, sex is spiritual and emotional and even more than that. I talked about it a little bit last week, but in the book of Genesis, which is in the Old Testament, so the first two-thirds of the Bible before Jesus walked on the earth, there's this book, Genesis. It's the very first book of the Bible. And in it, it talks about the first two created beings, Adam and Eve. And it talks about how Adam and Eve, when they had sex, they became one flesh. Now, Genesis in the Old Testament, it was written in the Hebrew language. So this word for becoming one flesh, the word one, is this Hebrew word ekid, and it means to fuse together at the deepest levels. And so when the Bible refers to sex, that's what it's referring to. It's, it's, it's referring to becoming one, to being fused together. So it's not just bodies coming together. It's, there's something spiritual happening. There's something emotional happening. It's like your souls are being welded together or super glued together, and you can't pull them apart. And we're also going to jump over to the New Testament, which is um, Jesus' life and after. And we're going to come over to Paul. And everyone should just take so much comfort in Paul. He was, did so many things and so many mistakes, and God used him, and that's why I find comfort in Paul. Hmm. And he's speaking to a church in Corinth. And what he's saying to them is at the time, they were, a lot of people were becoming Christians in this area, which was great. But they didn't think what happened to their physical bodies mattered. 
So they thought, we can have sex with whoever we want. We can do it whatever we want with our bodies because only our spiritual self matters. And that's where, because we're going, right? There's just physical and then it's, it's going to be over soon. But what Paul is saying to them is, no, what you do to your physical bodies matter. And what I think today is we continue to deny that anything matters to our physical body, but we also have completely neglected the spiritual sides of us too, right? Mm -hmm. And forgotten that we're a soul, that we are spiritual people. So we're going to jump in here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 6 chapter, uh, verses 16 to 20. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become more spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins and differ from all others. In sexual sins, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love, for becoming one with another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God has paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not just some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. So Paul declares sex is not something you do. It has an impact on your life, whether you recognize that or not. Mm -hmm. And a healthy view of sex, I think, recognizes that more is happening beyond just this realm, beyond the physical realm, beyond our bodies. We have to acknowledge that it's a mystery. There's stuff happening that we don't fully understand and we don't fully get, but we definitely know that it's more than two bodies just bumping together. Um, but when we have an unhealthy understanding of sex, when we, when we miss that, um, it, it, it really begins to affect us in negative ways. And not even just as individuals, not only in our own personal lives, but it actually begins to work its way into the fabric of society, and it begins to have negative effects on society. It begins to corrupt society as well. And so one of the ways that we have seen our distorted uh, misunderstanding of, of sex and sexuality work its way into our culture is through pornography. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, we don't have a ton of time to talk about this. We thought, we were talking today, we could do an entire message just on pornography, but we wanted to share a little bit about it because we feel like it's really important. But I was looking up some stats on, on pornography, and I wanted to share them with you just to talk about how big this is. Um, porn sites receive more traffic, more visitors than Twitter, Amazon, and Netflix combined every month. 30% uh, of all data transferred across the internet is pornography. Uh, porn is a $97, $97 billion global industry, a very poor industry, right? <laughs> Um, the world's largest porn site, this is unreal. The world's largest porn, porn site received 33,500,000,000 visits in 2018 alone. So that doesn't talk about hours on that website, videos viewed on that website, content kind of searched on that website. That's just visits, and that's just one of the websites out there. Um, there was a study done, or uh, in 2015, there was a meta-analysis, so they took all these studies, 22 studies from seven different countries across the world, and they came to the conclusion that um, pornography was associated with increases in verbal and physical aggression amongst men and women. Um, and this is really sad and unfortunate, but the first exposure to pornography amongst men is 12 years old. So we have 12-year-old boys um, seeing porn on, on, uh, for the first time. Um, and of course, we know this isn't just a male issue. 
uh, increasingly more and more and more. Women are, are struggling with this as, as well. But experts across the globe have been studying pornography and the effects of pornography on our brains, on our bodies, for the last uh, several decades. But they're just beginning to really discover the, the harmful effects that it has on, 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 on people. But they, they believe that pornography usage is for sure linked to violence, um, just aggressive behavior in general, but also sexually. And so um, people are, are seeing violent acts in pornography, and that is largely sex education for a lot of our youth, for a lot of us. We learned a lot about sex from pornography, and, but it's, it's caused this, this shift towards violence. It's caused an increase in sexual abuse. Um, I think that has to do with the objectification of the opposite sex. Um, you're just kind of seeing them as something that you can take and have. Um, this was really interesting. I read a few studies about how you, you think pornography would only affect things in the bedroom, right? It would only affect your sex life. But they're actually finding that it bleeds into other areas of our lives as well. So pornography, they believe, actually affects our ambition. It affects how we set goals and how we pursue those goals. Because at one point, if you wanted to have sex, you had to get married. If you wanted to get married, you had to be a suitable candidate for marriage, which means you had to have an education, you had to have a job, you had to be pursuing something, you had to be somebody, otherwise no one would want to be with you. And so you actually had to get up out of the house and go to work and go to school and try to make something. But now, because you can just type in a website, click uh, one click of a mouse, and you have your, your, your fantasies for hours and hours on end, there's no reason for people to leave their house. There's no reason for people to be ambitious and try to make something of themselves. And that's not for everyone. Not, that's not saying everyone who uses porn is like that, but that's just one thing that they're finding. Um, they also find that it puts significant stress on marriages. A lot of people say, well, pornography benefits marriages, but they actually see that the, the, the partners of spouses who use pornography on a regular basis feel insecure. They feel like they don't matter. They feel unworthy. They feel kind of trapped and they don't know what to do. And it's really interesting, pornography, they've, they've done scans on the brains of people using pornography and then, and then people who use heroin, and it actually lights up and stimulates the same parts of the brain. And, and what's crazy is heroin is one of the most addictive substances on planet Earth. Like, it's one of the most addicting, it's, get, it's got such a strong grip on your life if you use it. And pornography has that same grip, that same power to just grab onto your life. Um, it's just so addicting. Yeah, and, and porn is powerful, and it affects on it as well. And it's so interesting how, like, finally, we're, yeah, we're starting to see this mainstream media come in. And there's two celebrities I want to just kind of talk about here. I was reading an interview that John Mayer did a few years ago, and he was talking about how porn has affected his sex life. And he's like, yep, I have to look at more intense porn. I have to look at more aggressive porn. And he was saying that he could have 20 of the most beautiful women in front of him naked, willing to have sex with him, but he would rather watch porn. And then I was, last year, Kanye West, and, and Kanye West is married to probably one of the most beautiful women on earth, I would say at least. I'm sure a lot of people, Kim Kardashian has so many things that maybe we idolize or look at. And he was asked, do you, res do you respect women more now that you have daughters and now that you're married? And he replied, no, I still watch porn. This is a guy who's literally married to the most beautiful women. And because the argument is, well, I just watch porn until I'm married. When I'm married in a regular sex life, then I'll, have, then I'll stop. But that's not the truth, because, because sex and, and a, a mutual relationship is about the other person. It's love. Porn is about lust, and that's about you. And that's about what you want. 
And when you get married and you're having sex and that person's body ages like a normal person does, but then you keep going to the computer site that you're seeing perfect images and perfect bodies, it's going to be really difficult to be satisfied in your sex life. And we're seeing this. So if you have that, we love you. <laughs> we don't judge you. We understand that it's a real thing. Come talk to us. Let us journey with you because you need to get a handle on this. This is actually very, very serious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to affirm that. Like, if you're, if you're walking through this, um, it's not going to stop when you enter that committed relationship. It's not going to stop when you get married because it's a completely different animal. It's, a, it, it's, it's meeting different desires. Like Roberta said, it's about you, whereas sex in a relationship is about the other person. It's about intimacy. It's about connection. And so it doesn't just stop because you, you know, it's not like step one and step two. Pornography is just that, you know, while I'm waiting, the purgatory, so to speak, and then I'll get to, you know, where I'm going next. That's not at all how it functions. But I, I know some of you are here and you're like, man, I just really want to have sex. And, or you're having <laughs> sex and you're like, man, I, I, I just, I, 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 I want to keep having sex. And, and I, just, I just want this so bad. Or you're, you're viewing pornography and you're hearing this and you're like, man, just... God just wants to block me. He just wants to take away my fun. He just wants to, to stop me. And, and I would say, yes, absolutely. God wants to block you in certain areas and establish boundaries in certain areas. But here's the thing. Whenever God blocks you, whenever he says no, it's always because he wants to bless you. And so he says no to pornography because he has something better. He says no to sex outside of the context of marriage because he has something better. So, like, you can go and have sex, and it can just be physical. You can go and, you know, watch a screen and it might be fun, you might like it, it might be all right, and, and you, you actually might say it's good. But I'm telling you that God has something so much better in store for you, a, a, a sex life that is beyond just physical, that is emotionally fulfilling, that is healthy in every way, that also has this, this spiritual side of it as well. The, the third myth that we want to address um, is, is this idea that you have to test drive the car before you buy it. Y'all have heard this one before. You have to test drive the car before you buy it. So it's this idea that before you get married uh, to, to, to someone, you have to make sure that you are sexually compatible. You have to make sure you're sexually compatible. And man, I don't know if I'm outdated or just an old man, but I just don't get this. Like it makes no sense in my brain whatsoever. I'm an analyzer and immediately I just go and I analyze the crap out of this and I just break it down. I'm like, it doesn't make any sense to test drive the car and yet it's so prevalent in our culture. And here's the thing, I get the idea of wanting to make sure you're compatible, absolutely. Make sure you're compatible, uh, make sure you get along. That's an amazing idea. But if you're telling me that the only way to know if you have a future with someone is to go and sleep with them, like that just, honestly, it's stupid. It, it, it makes no sense whatsoever. And actually, I have an easy remedy to this problem. If you wanna know if you are sexually compatible, uh, or not sexually compatible, but just compatible in general with someone, uh, or even sexually compatible, uh, communicate. Have a conversation. I was like, Roberta, in what kind of scenario would this actually like make sense? If someone like, yo, I'm test driving the car, I gotta, like, how does that actually work? She's like, well, what if someone was into like, you know, like bondage or something? I was like, you're gonna wait? Until like you've had sex X amount of times to get to that point where the person's like, yo, you like bondage? And you're like, no, I don't. Oh, I guess we're sexually incompatible. Like just have a conversation <laughs> about it. Hey, like if you're, if you're in that place in your relationship, you're thinking about getting married and you're talking about sex, like, like be like, yo, what do, you, what do you like? You know, just have a conversation. Cause, we're getting cause, real authentic here. <laughs> I didn't know you were you gonna say just, that. Just talk. Um, <laughs> 
discovering if you're sexually incompatible or just incompatible in general is just done with a conversation. You literally do not need to have sex to discover that. Because here's the thing. Sex is not the entire car. If we're going to go with this metaphor, it's not the entire car. It's just a part of it. Sex is like filling up the gas tank. Sex is like filling up the gas tank. Doing things together as friends, uh, going on adventures, spurring each other on in your calling, building a family, that's driving the car. That's the car, and that's driving the car. So to test drive the car is to see if there's chemistry between you both through having conversations, to make sure your value systems line up, to make sure your faith is on the same page, to make sure you enjoy doing the same things, you actually like being around each other. Going on a date is how you test drive the car. Having a meaningful, deep conversation is how you test drive the car. No one ever goes to a dealership to test drive a car and says, like, hey man, can we just swing by the gas station so I can fill this baby up and just see how it does with being filled up with gas? Like, you just don't do that because it doesn't make any sense. You're like, I'll get to that later. I'm sure it's fine. As long as I like the car, filling up the gas tank isn't going to be a problem. But this is where culture has really infiltrated our, 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 our mindset. This is where it's begin to shape our worldview. And as followers of Jesus, if you're here and you say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, we need to really begin to be aware of how culture has seeped into our worldview and is, and is shaping us. We need to be aware of this stuff. Paul, um, he's, he's a writer in the New Testament. This guy, Roberta, read from him. Uh, he has 13 letters in the, uh, in the New Testament. Just had this crazy encounter with Jesus. And he writes this letter to this church in this city, this ancient city called Colossae. And this is what he says. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Essentially, what he's saying is Jesus has to shape you, not culture. Jesus has to be the one leading you and guiding you. And listen, after three and a half years, Roberta and I are having the best sex we've ever had. It's just the best. It's awesome. But... But in the beginning, it was awkward. In the beginning, we had no idea. People are not looking us in the eye right now. <laughs> like Jared is like going down. In the beginning, it was awkward. We had no clue what we were doing. Someone would have looked at us and said, ah, oh, you made a mistake. You're sexually incompatible. But here's the thing. After being married and after growing in our relationship and, and, and learning about each other, the sex got better and better as the relationship in general got better and better and better. So this is why God has established boundaries for us. Not because he's lame, but because he's awesome and he wants it to get better and better and better. So here's the thing, guys. Here's what I want to encourage you. You don't have to go and test drive a Mitsubishi. You don't have to go and test drive a Chevy Cruze or a Honda Civic. If you wait patiently, God wants to just give you a Lamborghini. God wants to give you a Ferrari and you don't have to test drive. You just know that it's amazing. Okay, you were getting fired up there. Um, it's very warm in got here Got me tonight. a Lambo. It is very, oh, thank you. I got me a Lambo, yeah. Oh, man. I'm feeling a little flustered. Okay. I love um, this place. I love this place. It's real. Here. I'm going to switch gears here, and we're kind of going back to the, the first book in the Bible, and I just want to tell you a story about Jacob and Esau. And Jacob and Esau were brothers, and back then you wanted to be the first male born because that's where you got all the blessing, that's where you got all the money, all the birthright, all of that. And the story, I'm skipping so many parts, but basically 
Esau was born first and Jacob was born second. They were twins. And Esau came and he was so hungry. He hadn't eaten. And Jacob had done all these things to manipulate him. And he says, if you give me your birthright, I'll give you this soup. And everyone's like, what? I'm not going to switch my birthright for a bowl of soup, right? Like, that sounds silly. Mm -hmm. But he was so hungry in the moment, and he was so dire that he took and he gave over his birthright to his brother. And we're like, well, that's so crazy. And that's like our sex life. Like, you can have the bowl of soup, or you can have the birthright. Mm -hmm. And it's about the patience and the, per like, perseverance mm -hmm. and the understanding that we don't get everything we want all the time. You don't get to be CEO tomorrow. You have to wait, and you have to work through it. So this comes to the last point, um, last myth. Once you've crossed the line, there's no going back. Once you've crossed the line, there's no going back. Because some of you are hearing all of this, and you're like, well, I've screwed up. That's it for me. Like, count me out. Peace. Like, you know, it's, it's all done. But that's not the case. <laughs> and some of you have crossed the line, yes. And again, no judgment here. But here's the thing. God loves you, and he doesn't shame us. And, and Alex was saying that earlier. He never, ever shames us into following him. He forgives us. He loves us. And what I want you to know is that you, if you have regrets, that's not from God. Can you change the past? No, I can't either for some of the mistakes I've made. And does it feel crappy sometimes? Yes. But when God loves us and when we're hearing from him, he corrects. Sometimes it hurts. It hurts a little, but then we can walk in that. So if you're feeling guilt and shame, that is not from God. But I get why it's easy to feel that. But here's the crazy, craziest thing about Jesus that's going to blow your mind. And I heard, I read this, some of this a little earlier this week, is when Jesus was dying on the cross and he was bleeding, he didn't bleed the blood of perfect people. He, he wasn't born into this perfect family and he didn't come and, and like from a descendants where no one sinned. He bled the blood of adulterers. <laughs> he bled the people who murdered people. He had blood of a prostitute in him. So what that tells me about God is that he's willing to use the messy people. When I was sitting, when I was standing there today during worship, I was like, God, I'm not good enough to do this. I, I just kept listing all the things that I wasn't good at. I thought, man, this week I did this and this and this, and I'm not good enough to preach your word. And God's like, that's not for me. I qualify you because it's not about me at all. It's not about what I've done. It's about what he's done. I don't need to know what any of you have done to not feel good enough because I know who God is. And he forgives you and he loves you. So I just want to take a moment here to pray for some of you. And if you're feeling like, man, something's stirring in my heart here. I have regrets and I need to talk to someone. There's going to be people on the sides available for you. But we just want to take this moment. And, and in these moments, when we, we bow our heads and we're like, yeah, raise your hand if you need this. It's not, it's for you. When I've had to raise my hand, it's so I'm surrendering to God and being like, I'm giving this over to you. So if you have regrets and you're, or you're struggling with porn addiction and you have some stuff in your life, let's take a moment to pray for you. So if we could just bow our heads. And if that's you tonight and you just need that, just raise your hand right now. Just give it over to God. Be like, yeah, I need that. I need to give this over. And Jesus, thank you so much that you love, that you don't shame us into your love, that you don't shame us into any of that. But you love us so much and your forgiveness and your grace is all abounding. Thank you for that. And God, I pray that forgiveness just washes over people. I pray that strength washes over people. And you would just be with everyone tonight in this room just feeling not good enough for you, God. Because you make us good and you love us. And we just pray this in your name. Amen. And the second one I want to do is, is just a prayer to accept Jesus. And some of you have been coming for weeks right now. And, and this come, every part, time this part comes, you're not willing to do it. But here's the thing. God's going to keep pursuing you because he loves you. You're not here by accident. If you heard this message, this isn't an accident. God wants you here and he wants you to come and to accept his love. 
Because when Jesus was bleeding on that imperfect blood on the cross, he thought about you. And walking in that, it's not a cheap forgiveness. It's a forgiveness that's all abounding. It's a forgiveness that has changed everything in my life. And it's a forgiveness that'll change everything in yours. So again, we're just gonna bow our heads and we're gonna pray. And if that's you tonight, um, we just wanna we just wanna invite you to have this moment. And this is between you and God. This isn't about anyone else. This isn't about the person who brought you. This isn't about what people are gonna think of you because eyes are closed here. It's just me and you. I'm just the only one seeing this. Mark's the only one seeing this. So if you want to accept Jesus tonight, I pray you just, uh, I just ask you to lift your hand right now. Let's give a moment for that. Awesome. Let's do that prayer. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for inviting us into your family. Thank you that you died on a cross for us. Thank you that you're so gracious and you love us, that you keep pursuing us time after time after time. God, you're so, so good. And we thank you tonight um, for the ascent and to bring that you brought people here. Just praising your name.